Thank you for joining us for the Nursing Assembly podcast, The Growing Field of Pediatric Palliative Care. This is Kathy Abode, Web Director for the Nursing Assembly and Clinical Program Director for the Children's Airway Center at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Today I'm joined by two members of the Pediatric Palliative Care Service here at UNC. First, I would like to introduce Dr. Elizabeth Dellen. Elizabeth is an Associate Professor in the Department of Pediatrics, Division of Pulmonology at the University of North Carolina. She is the Medical Director of the Children's Supportive Care Team, which is the Pediatric Palliative Care Consult Service at the North Carolina Children's Hospital. Elizabeth divides her clinical time between pediatric pulmonology and pediatric palliative care. Her research interests lie at the intersection of these fields. She's currently studying the early introduction of palliative care education into routine cystic fibrosis care, as well as approaches to communicating prognosis in cystic fibrosis. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. I would also like to introduce Nicole Sartor. Nicole is a pediatric nurse practitioner who coordinates the children's supportive care team. Nicole's clinical interests are end-of-life care and the intersection of palliative care and bioethics. Welcome to you, Nicole. Thanks, Kathy. I'd like to start off with some really basic questions to help us all understand more about the work both of you do in the field of palliative care. Elizabeth, I'll start with you. Can you tell me what pediatric palliative care is, how long it's been a specialty service, and maybe describe the roles of some key members of a pediatric palliative care team? Sure. Uh, so pediatric palliative care is medical care that's focused on improving quality of life for children with serious illness. Um, this encompasses a wide range of conditions. Um, we're obviously talking for the ATS um, here, and um, so I think a lot about respiratory conditions, of course, as a pulmonologist. Um, but just to kind of lay the foundation, um, we're really thinking about um, any number of childhood conditions. It's really appropriate for any child with a serious life-limiting or life-threatening condition with needs in a number of areas, uh, things like management of distressing symptoms, considering goals for medical care, complex treatment decision-making, and planning for future medical care. Pediatric palliative care is also appropriate for children who are dying from a serious illness, but it's not just end-of-life care. In fact, palliative care ideally begins at the time of diagnosis of serious illness, um, something that will impact the lives of children and their families. And it's available throughout the course of illness, kind of changing in intensity according to the needs of the child and the family. Pediatric palliative care is um, about 15 years old or so. That's about how long it's been recognized as a specialty. Um, hospice um, precedes it by many, many years. And palliative care for adults um, came following hospice with pediatric palliative care really growing um, after, uh, out of those two areas. Um, as far as the key members of a pediatric palliative care team or service, um, really palliative care is a great model for interdisciplinary care. Uh, not all teams look alike, but in order to provide really high-quality palliative care, it's important to have team members who have expertise in the many aspects of palliative care. So our team includes a nurse practitioner, Nicole, um, includes physicians, and also a pediatric psychologist. We partner very closely with social workers, spiritual care providers, child life specialists, um, and also providers in home communities of, of our patients. Um, of course, we are a hospital-based service, as many are. Um, there are community-based outpatient services as well. 
Nicole, how does a pediatric palliative care team manage ethical challenges in decision-making? Is it necessary to have a separate ethics team or department along with a pediatric palliative care program? Those are great questions, Kathy. I would say carefully and intentionally, the challenges are complicated, and in pediatrics, our practice is family-centered with shared decision-making. Many of the challenges in medical decision-making center around goals of care not being in alignment with medical decisions. For example, when a child is a full code and parents are putting limits on the use of technology. Another challenge is how a medical team interprets or hears the family's wishes. For example, when a parent says that they do not want to choose a feeding tube, the medical team may hear that the parent does not want to provide medical nutrition and may not choose life-extending measures, but the parent may actually be saying that they do not agree that their child requires a feeding tube at this time, but they might choose it in the future if they felt that their child needed it. Pediatric palliative care teams can help patients, families, and medical teams navigate medical decision-making one of our recommendations may be an ethics consult. And in terms of whether or not there should be two separate teams, um, we think that our teams overlap and intersect in many ways. Important topics explored by both of our teams include autonomy, um, truth-telling, futility, the role of value-based decision-making, and professional duties. It is very important to have two, two separate and very well-defined services. It isn't uncommon for members of the pediatric palliative care team to be members of the pediatric medical ethics team. It is important to clearly define and communicate the rules of each, each team and to think about triggers that might prompt each team to recommend consulting the other. Uh, Elizabeth, can you explain when it might be appropriate for a provider to consult a pediatric palliative care service? Yeah, palliative care teams are available to see children with serious illness um, at any point in the disease course. Um, kids who have needs in any of the areas we previously talked about, like symptom management, goals of care, decision-making about, uh, about medical treatments, planning for future medical care, um, which is also called advanced care planning. Uh, we know that individual clinicians probably have different approaches uh, to the care of seriously ill children, and that affects who they refer uh, to palliative care teams and when. And then, of course, institutional culture affects referral practices. So is there a palliative care team available? Which services within the institution utilize um, palliative care teams? Uh, things like that. There have been studies of different triggers for consultation, and those might be specific conditions or sort of milestones along the way in the course of uh, childhood illness. Um, this can get really complicated in in children because, of course, there are many children who are really kind of are an N of one. Um, you know, prognost prognostication is really challenging uh, with kids, even with conditions that are pretty clearly defined. And I think we all know from our our practices in pediatrics that there are many kids um, who really don't even have diagnoses. Um, they just have symptoms or um, specific problems that are, are managed, but not a comprehensive diagnosis that sort of pulls it all together. So when we think about kind of the definition of palliative care, it's not really difficult to identify who might benefit from palliative care consultation, um, but it's really important to consider each potential referral individually in terms of care needs, uh, really in particular, unmet needs, um, because that's, I think, where we, um, you know, owe it to our patients to really, and their families to think about um, how we might um, fill gaps in their care. 
Um, I'll comment that palliative care teams offer what is often described as an extra layer of support. So they don't assume care for seriously ill children. They don't take over um, the primary medical care of children, but rather partner with children, families, and other healthcare providers with the goal of enhancing um, care and also enhancing quality of life. Um, I think it's important to remember that early introduction of palliative care allows for the development of relationships and attention to palliative care needs throughout the course of a child's illness. And as I mentioned before, the intensity of palliative care kind of waxes and wanes as a child's condition changes, just like curative or restorative or comfort-focused care would change over time. So bottom line, I think it's really individualized. Yeah, that's really very interesting. Um, I, I have a question for both of you. Um, I'll start with you, Nicole. What topics come up for discussion when you meet with other specialists in pediatric palliative care? Like any specialty, we have our core topics that we always discuss, and I think Elizabeth has done a nice job of talking about what palliative care providers think about but a new topic that is emerging is the reintegration of humanities into medicine. And an example of this would be to begin rounds with a poem or a moment of mindfulness. At our institution, we saw a grassroots movement that seemed to start in our medical school and with our residents. They wanted to talk about humanism in medicine. They wanted to learn how to remember amid the trauma and the stress of their daily practice that their patient is an individual who exists within a family and a community and not reduce them to a diagnosis or a treatment, which is really easy to do if we aren't d diligent. Acknowledging this has led to deeper conversations about resiliency, self-care, and burnout. Wow. Uh, I, I guess I really hadn't thought about how much you interact um, and help providers as well as you're helping our patients. A large part of the support that we provide is provider support. Yeah, I guess it, that totally makes sense. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, what topics do you discuss with your colleagues in pediatric palliative care? Well, actually, um, you know, it's interesting to think about kind of provider support and our role in interacting with um, with other um, services and, you know, providers and staff caring for children. Um, kind of following from what Nicole said and also the question about when to refer patients to palliative care, another really current topic um, is that of kind of primary versus specialty palliative care. Um, this has grown out of, I'll kind of define those for you, but to kind of lay a little foundation, this grows out of sort of this, um, the, the fact that the field of palliative care is, is growing. Um, there's more awareness about palliative care. Um, there, there's been a lot of thought within healthcare about the value of palliative care within the context of the care of people with serious illness. Um, and really, there aren't enough providers in the field to meet the demands um, for palliative care. So uh, primary care, palliative care really refers to palliative care that's provided by the patient's primary health care providers, um, whether they're a, a generalist in pediatrics or medicine, you know, or family medicine, or whether they're a specialist. Um, the primary palliative care skill set uh, might include things like basic management of physical and emotional symptoms, communication skills around important issues like prognosis, goals of care, code status. 
Um, this has become something that um, as the field of palliative care has grown, but I, like I said, the, the, we can't keep up with the demand. Um, a lot of people are, are trying to focus on how we can make sure that, that all sort of primary providers for patients have a palliative care skill set um, that they can apply um, to the patients that they're caring for. Specialty palliative care then would be provided by palliative care specialists, so people who have additional training. And the skill set for specialty palliative care providers would include things like management of really complex symptoms or clusters of symptoms that occur with serious illness, addressing existential suffering, which is so much a part of what our patients and their families experience, support for complex treatment decision-making, and also assistance with conflict res resolution around goals of care uh, or treatment choices. So there's a lot of conversation in, in the palliative care community um, about how to use our palliative care skills and our teaching skills to help generalist or primary providers build their own skill set um, and then figure out who it is that palliative care specialists really should be seeing. Uh, Nicole, what would you say are some of the current barriers to providing pediatric palliative care? Well, the exciting news about the barriers is that they're shifting. It no longer feels like we have to prove our value within a healthcare system. We are an accepted and valued specialty. We are no longer being consulted for family support. That's implied with the consult. We are being consulted for symptom management, medical decision-making, goals of care, complex care coordination, and sharing bad news, along with advanced care planning. Our biggest barrier is meeting the demand for the consult, training staff, and having fully staffed consult services. And Nicole, what advice would you give to other institutions who are interested in starting a pediatric palliative care service? Oh gosh, don't reinvent the wheel. There are lots <laughs> of resources available to you. A few resources to start with would might be the Center to Advance Palliative Care, which the acronym is CAPC, um, the Hospice and Palliative Nurse Association, HPNA, and the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine, AAHPN. Um, spend some time assessing your institution's resources. Certainly there are people that you have in place already who are meeting some of these needs. Think about your social workers, your case managers, and your chaplains. Um, form a palliative care committee and invite anyone who has an interest in the development of a pediatric palliative care team, and reach out to institutions who have well-established pediatric palliative care teams. Elizabeth, what would you say are some opportunities for further research in pediatric palliative care? I think that's a great question as well. So we, you know, we're we're talking a lot about clinical care. Of course, in order to provide good clinical care, we like to practice evidence-based medicine to the extent that we can. Um, and having um, some really solid um, research to help guide our practice, I think, is is obviously very important. There's really a lot of research going on in, in pediatric palliative care. There have been some really wonderful RFAs in recent years from the National Institutes of Health, particularly the Nas National Institutes for uh, Nursing Research, um, also from private foundations. A lot of the literature in pediatric palliative care is in oncology, but um, it's important to remember that only about 15 to 20 percent of patients served by palliative care teams have cancer, so we have a lot to learn about all aspects of palliative care for children with, with all different conditions. Um, 
I was thinking about kind of research priorities in palliative care, and there was a really nice publication from 2015 that described a consensus process for prioritization of a research agenda for pediatric palliative care, and uh, no fewer than 20 priorities were identified. So you can see there's, there are, there's a lot to be done. But um, among those top priorities were things like developing and evaluating strategies to help families make difficult uh, decisions, particularly at end of life. Um, another priority was comparing outcomes for patients and families who have early access to pediatric palliative care consultation with the outcomes of those who are referred late in the illness course. Developing and validating evidence-based guidelines in pediatric palliative care, which is something I think we could all agree is, is really important. Um, and also studying the role of the child in treatment decision-making, which as uh, pediatric providers is something we think about all the time. Lastly, I have a question I'd like to ask each of you. What aspect of providing pediatric palliative care do you personally find most rewarding? Nicole? Well, I feel incredibly honored that families allow us to enter into their sacred places I think that you have to be really brave to allow strangers to see your wounds in your really raw places. It's incredibly rewarding to help a family navigate their hopes and wishes for their child and their worries and concerns because they're ever-changing and they're fluid um, and they change as their child's condition changes. But for me, the most rewarding part of my job is caring for the dying child. Elizabeth? Um, I guess, you know, I really w will echo a lot of what, what Nicole said, although she said it much more nicely than I can. Um, as, really, as palliative care providers, we do. We often meet patients and families at just their most vulnerable moments. We invite conversation about their biggest worries, um, but also in doing so, we get to learn about their biggest joys and what makes their the children who they are. Um, what gives um, even very short lives a meaning and purpose. So it's just an incredible privilege, and it also brings a lot of perspective um, to my life and, and to my career and to, um, and to being a parent. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's just it's an incredibly rewarding um, and challenging field. Elizabeth and Nicole, it's been a real pleasure to talk to both of you about pediatric palliative care. I appreciate you taking the time to share your experiences and answer questions about this topic that's so important in pediatric care. This concludes the ATS Nursing Assembly podcast, The Growing Field of Pediatric Palliative Care. <laughs>